Praise the name of the Lord, everyone. Uh, giving God thanks one more time for us to be online for our Bible class. Uh, we, we have been looking on the, uh, the sacrifices found in the book of Leviticus. And today we're going to turn to Leviticus chapter uh, 4. I believe we will be looking at verse 13. Uh, we're dealing with the sin offering and we dealt with the uh, the high priest and his offering when he is guilty now we're going to deal with uh, the community of Israel so from Leviticus 4 verse 13 I believe going down to 21 we will read says, if the entire Israelite community sins by violating one of the Lord's commands, but the people don't realize it, they are still guilty. When they become aware of their sin, the people must bring a young bull as an offering for their sin and present it before the tabernacle. The elders of the community must then lay their hands on the bull's head and slaughter it before the Lord. The high priest will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle, dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain. He will then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for fragrant incense that stands in the Lord's presence inside the tabernacle. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar for burnt offerings at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then the priest must remove all the animal's fat and burn it on the altar, just as he does with the bull offered as a sin offering for the high priest. Through this process, the priest will purify the people making them right with the Lord and they will be forgiven. Then the priest must take what is left of the bull and carry it outside the camp and burn it there just as is done with the sin offering for the high priest. This offering is for the sin of the entire congregation of Israel. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. And so the last time, I believe two weeks ago, we had opened up with Leviticus chapter 4, dealing with the, the sin offering as it pertains to the high priest. Tonight we are going to be looking on the, uh, the nation as a whole, the entire community of Israel, our nation of Israel. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, things that we learn from this is that Sin affects us in several different ways. Uh, God looks on, uh, on, on us as it relates to sin, as individuals, as groups. And here he's speaking specifically now to the nation of Israel. And so let's, let's understand that this sin, the Bible said in, in, in verse 13, the entire Israel Light community sins 
by violating one, just a single one of the Lord's command. But the people don't realize it. They are still guilty. You know. So one of the first things we realize is that uh, ignorance, the Lord is not winking at it here. He says, if they sin, even though they don't realize it, they are still guilty. They are still guilty. However, when they become aware of their sin, they will have to um, take action. And once again, the Lord is going to instruct us carefully or instruct the body, uh, the nation of Israel as to how they can remedy the situation, how they can get rid of the guilt. And uh, this, is, this is very important for us. And this is not Again, this is not dealing with uh, intentional sins. This is something that was done and the individual or the nation of Israel, they are unaware of it. However, during, and during as, as, as time progressed, they become aware of their sin. And one of the things that we learn from this is that sin can destroy us as a people, destroys us as an individual. Um, it can destroy us as a people. And so the Lord says now, when they become aware of their sin, this is the step that I need Israel to do, or the steps that they need to take. The people must bring a young bull that's a yearling about one year year old they must select a young bull as an offering for their sin and present it before the tabernacle again God is giving them an opportunity to remove their guilt so that they can have fellowship with him. And if they are going to have fellowship, or if they are going to be restored, if the guilt is to be removed, they have to follow these instructions carefully. So, a young bull as an offering for their sin and present it before the tabernacle. Now, it says something here. Now, the elders of the community, and these are not necessarily uh, um, leaders of the tribes, but these are uh, careful study, background study. In Judaism, would tell us that these elders are men of wisdom. They are an example to the community. They study uh, the scriptures. They study the commands. They study uh, what was handed down to them. And so 
these elders of the community must then lay their hands on the bull. Bull's head. And we see a similar thing taking place in the in the first um, sacrifice. Sacrifice of the burnt offering. This is considered the laying on of hands. It's, the trans it's, it's signifying that this animal is going to bear the guilt for the nation of Israel. It's a transfer. And it's not just simply um, laying hands, but it, it carries with it a, a, a meaning of leaning, pressing up on this animal. And then this bull is going to be slaughtered before the Lord. High priests will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle. So when they kill that animal, as pain-free as possible, the blood collected in a vessel and the high priest now takes the blood dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain so the curtain that divides the holy of holies and the holy place he goes there and he sprinkles it seven times and seven is the number of perfection. He sprinkles the blood seven times. And it is significant also to note that this blood is used in the holy place. And not the holy of holies now, but the holy place we learn about when the blood is used in the holy of holies. But for any man to gain um, access to the presence of the Lord or to stand in the presence of the Lord, he has to come with blood. And so the blood is sprinkled seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain. Now this curtain is what separates man from God in terms of the Holy of Holies, where the tabernacle, uh, the Ark of the Covenant rather rests, uh, where the priests, only the high priests, could access it, he sprinkles the blood right in front of that curtain. Dip his finger in it, sprinkle it seven times before the Lord. The Bible said then he will then put some of the blood, take some of the blood and put it on the horns of the altar for fragrant incense that stands in the Lord's presence inside the tabernacle some of the blood on the horns of the altar now the horns of the altar in ancient cultures the horn was a metaphor for physical strength or spiritual power let's look at Deut um, Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 17 
Jesus is talking now. His glory is like the firstling of his bullock. And his horns are like the horns of a unicorn. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth. And they are the ten thousands of Ephraim. And they are the thousands of Manasseh. I believe he's talking about um, Joseph. And so it speaks of, of strength. And we go and we look also at... Um, Second Samuel 22 and verse 3 says, My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. He's my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. And let me read that from uh, the King James, I believe. The God of my rock in whom I trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. My high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. So you see where it represents um, strength, uh, safety, salvation. And we're going to look at one more passage of scripture. In Psalm 18 and verse 2. Look, let's use the King James. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn, the strength of my salvation and my high tower. So we can we get an understanding of what the horn represents. Uh, the Hebrew word for salvation is yesha, meaning deliverance, rescue, safety, welfare, victory, or prosperity. And the root of yesha is the verb yasha, meaning to save, to deliver, and to give victory. Not only is God or Jehovah called our horn of salvation in the Old Testament, but this is also applied to uh, Jesus in the New Testament. And when we look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 68. Luke 1 and verse 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and had raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David and I want us to keep that uh, passage of scripture in mind let's look at an example from 1st Kings chapter 1 1st Kings chapter 1 First Kings chapter 1, and we can look from verse 49 to about 53. And so, here we have, you know, Solomon has now occupied the, the throne of David. This is David's son. 
And it reads us, and all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and rose up and went every man his way. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feared King Solomon, for lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not an hear of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to thine own house. So here we have an example. Adonijah. When he rose up, went to the house of the Lord, grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar, pleading for his life. Let the king swear that he will not kill me with the sword. And Solomon said, if, he's found, if he shows himself worthy, he won't die. Not a hair of him will fall to the earth. He came, bowed himself to the king. And Solomon said, go to thine house, a place of safety. And these horns, uh, these horns represent uh, Christ, Jesus, has become our salvation. He's our salvation. And so what we see here, the the high priest takes some of the blood after sprinkling it at, um, before the curtain and he puts some of the blood on the horns of the altar. And the inter, uh, intercession for mankind is made with blood. And we know Jesus is our, our high priest and he makes intercession for us. Why is the blood needed? And now we understand that the the altar represents uh, it's a, a place of incense, which represents the the prayers that leave from earth to mankind to to God rather from mankind to God, and so it was typical of prayer, and especially of the intercession of Christ Jesus, and the blood. Blood, the blood on that horn show that the force and the power of all prevailing intercession lies in the blood. It's in the blood. And the impact of guilt on a person's mind. As soon as we are aware of sin in our lives, and guilt sets in. Guilt sets in. And for us to 
operate with confidence, to serve God with confidence, we must get rid of guilt in any form. And so, these, the nation is guilty, even though they are unaware of their sins. But as soon as they are aware, they have to deal with it. Because the individual now is in a, a, a defiled state. The relationship with the Lord is now compromised. Guilt is setting in on their conscience. And so, uh, this was, this was, this is important even as it relates to us as believers. Because one of the things that affects us as soon as we're aware of a breakdown in our relationship with the Lord, of guilt setting in, one of the first things it does is begins to cripple our confidence in the Lord. And what, what does that mean? Our prayer life becomes choked. And so that prevailing prayer, that supplication before the Lord, is removed or is compromised one will not have the confidence to appear before the Lord and so the high priest sprinkles the blood upon the horn of the altar what does that teaches us is that when guilt sets in we are to appear before the Lord remember the blood that was shed, the sacrifice of Jesus, and lay hold upon that sacrifice. Lay hold upon the horns of the altar, upon what Christ Jesus has done for us. Because if that guilt is not removed, then we will grow cold. So one has to look to the blood, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Let's 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 look on First John chapter two and verse one. Said, My little children, these things are right I unto you that he sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he's the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Sins of the whole world. That's why, brothers and sisters, we recognize what happened to Adam in him hiding our forefather, Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they were separated from God. It's the first time they have ever felt like that in their life. Death was setting in spiritually and physically. 
And so they hid themselves from God. Guilt. They had discovered what it meant to be guilty before God and did not know what to do. Could not help themselves. And the Lord himself came down, had a conversation with them, recognized what they did and, and what, 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 what steps they took to cover their shame. And the Lord said that will not work. Man cannot deal with his own guilt. It must, he must follow what the Lord himself has given to us to deal with our guilty consciences. And so uh, in the garden, what God did, he shed blood and made coats of skin and covered their nakedness. And so is it, brothers and sisters, one of the, one of the greatest challenge of any Christian or any believer is when he becomes defiled. And, and we know now in, the, in, the, in this passage of, of scripture from Leviticus or under the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, the only thing that the law dealt with or the sacrificial dealt with, um, system dealt with was in unintentional sins. But we know that Jesus superseded that because while uh, there was no, 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 nothing, no provision made for intentional sin or to deal with the nature of sin. Jesus Christ came and he superseded that. He dealt with unintentional sin. He dealt with the prevailing sinful nature that was in us. And he also dealt with intentional sin. And so, uh, as soon as we recognize that there we have sinned against God, the first step that we need to take is to look to him, come before him with boldness. Because what the enemy will do is to try to overcome you with guilt. He does not want you to be separated from your guilt. He clouds your mind with guilt. And what you recognize is that you want to move away from the presence of the Lord. Naturally. You want to walk away. You don't want to show up for church services. Prayer meeting, we won't pray with confidence. Why? Because there's something sitting on our mind. Guilt. And so what we need to do is to look to the blood. Look to the, uh, the death of Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus that was shed. And grab a hold of it. That's the remedy for our situation. For Christ, when he died, he died for all our sins. The Bible said, he will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar for burnt offerings at the entrance of the tabernacle. And the priests must remove all the animal's fat and burn it on the altar. Just as he does with the bull offered as a sin offering for the high priest. 
So we, one, one more time, we see a similar thing taking place. Just as what was done for the high priest is now being, uh, is the same thing that is done for the nation of Israel. And the best part is placed on the altar for God. And it's burned. So through this process, the priest will purify the people. Making them right with the Lord. And they will be forgiven. Not to cover their sins. They will be forgiven. This process allowed them to be forgiven of whatever sin they may have committed. Whatever law they had transgressed they would be forgiven. But there's something else for us to understand, brothers and sisters, is that even though they are forgiven for that particular act, the nature of sin was not dealt with. Not until Jesus Christ came was the nature of sin Man being born in sin, shaped in iniquity, have no answer to it until Jesus came. So, and the priest must take what is left of the bull, must take what is left of the bull and carry it outside the camp and burn it there, just as is done with the sin offering for the high priest. This offering is for the sin of the entire congregation of Israel. Everything that is left over from the sacrificial animal after they have you know, the priest has taken what is to be placed on the altar for the Lord to be burnt, the remains are taken outside the camp. Same place where uh, the high priest, the bull for the high priest is taken and it is burnt burn up everything is destroyed and if you recall last um, lesson uh, this 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 act of burning is not a positive one the the, the burning on the altar uh, would have gone up to the lord as an aroma but the uh, the the burning of the remains outside the camp is an act of destruction everything else was destroyed outside the camp this animal this bull is a sin offering it's the judgment that takes place 
on this animal or the remain of the animal and it's carried outside the camp but within the camp of Israel we're dealing with the subject of sin here and your sin will defile the community what was used here as the offering of sin, the remained, had to be destroyed. And it was destroyed outside the camp. So brothers and sisters, here we understand one more time the effect of sin upon a community. I know a lot of times when we talk about sin, we only see it from an individual perspective. But God is saying to Israel that there are times the community is guilty, the entire community. If we recall the land that they occupied, the Lord said that the nations before, they... They, 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 they had become very cruel and they practiced detestable things before the Lord and because of that God drove them out of the land as an entire community let's we, we looked on last week what took place with the nation of Israel as, uh, as coming through with such a tremendous victory that the Lord won for them over Jericho. And then the entire nation becoming guilty because of one man. So we understand that God will sometime place the ent an entire nation guilty before him. Even though the church is present in Canada, and God looks on the nation of Canada and see the abominable things that our leaders are promoting, the nation becomes guilty before God. And this is not about our, our salvation, which is individual. Our salvation is an individual thing. But when God looks down, he can say, this nation is guilty. The sin of the nation has risen before me. And God can mete out his judgment on the nation at any time. Bible said that God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold I will destroy them with the earth.
He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So the entire land is placed under judgment. He's sick before the Lord. Proverbs 11 and 11 says, By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Righteousness exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. 